Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, all the readings today, even from the morning, in one place, the Lord was teaching his disciples, teaching all his listeners in one place, which is a temple. And in the temple, he was trying to draw their attention. There is something very big missing from the whole congregation. So what I would like to share with you from the beginning, uh, we read together from Matthew chapter 22. We read from verse 35 to verse 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he is adding his comment. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why are you telling them that with these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets? Well, from last night, the first prophecy we heard last night was Zephaniah chapter 1. And what is the connection between Zephaniah chapter 1 and with these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets? Because he was telling them, you are very religious. You go to the temple as often as you can. You sacrifice even in Amos chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, he was telling them, you have free will offerings, something God never asks for, and you are offering it. But the fact is, this hunger, the hunger of the two commandments, the core of your belief is not there. You are so religious, but you have no relationship with God. Why? Because you are not able to love your God from all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And this is the message of cursing the fig tree. The hunger is broken. And he's asking us, are you religious tonight? Are you coming to the Bashan week to show that you are a religious person? Or you are coming to see something totally different? That I am committing my heart. I have a new life in Christ. Since I was baptized, I received the new man. And I'm caring about this man, new man. That's why my life is a testimony and testifying to my Lord Jesus Christ. Let us go now to Zephaniah, which we read yesterday, which is a summary of all the readings of, of, of today. Zephaniah chapter 1. When we read Zephaniah chapter 1, unfortunately the prophecy yesterday started from verse 2. So verse 2 is saying, I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land. Why? Why such harsh, harsh words? And the most amazing is verse 1, which we didn't read yesterday. Going back to verse 1, to see when was this anger against God's people. First verse, it says, The word of the Lord, which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. If you go to the story of, of Josiah, 
It says no king in the whole history of Israel was like Josiah, either before him or after him. So how come God is sending such harsh words against the people at that time? Well, we heard about the greatest revival in the Old Testament. And again, we are not talking about them. He's talking about the people who said we are the chosen nation. We are the children of God. We are called to be the sons of Abraham. But he's asking me personally and you in this evening, are you living with this hunger is broken in your life or this hunger is real in your life? That with these two commandments, the whole law and the prophets are hung. So if the king Josiah made the greatest revival in the history of Israel, why such harsh things? Let us go back to Second Chronicles. We'll read just a couple of verses to see why God is not pleased with a religious person. God is keen to find sincere believers, those who are in need of a Savior to change and transform their lives, not someone to give them a list of commandments with, with losing the core of it. The hunger is not there. I'm not worshiping God. I'm not loving God from all my heart all my soul and all my strength. If you go to Second Chronicles and chapter 33, it tells us the story of Josiah and the spiritual circumstances of the people. And please find out yourself. Are you related to any of these groups or not yet? Why? Because again, in the Passion Week, we are running towards life, running towards light. We are not here to listen to something or to listen to some, or to even to sing some songs. The worship in the, in the temple was an accurate worship. Even the Lord, we heard it to, tonight in the Gospels, the Pharisees knew everything, but they, uh, we were missing the hunger, or the hunger was broken in, in their heart and in their mind. Why? Because everything was missed out. In Second uh, Chronicles, and... Chapter 33, we read from verse 15. This is the grandfather of King Josiah. He was evil in all his deeds, but at the very end of his life, he started to repent. We read from verse 15. He took away the foreign gods and the idols from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city. It's a repentance. For him, after 55 years as a king, doing evil things, worshiping uh, foreign gods in the temple, now he repented. But what he has done again was not wholeheartedly. Why? Because he put them, he cast them out of the city. He also rebuilt the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thanks offering on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. It looks a repentance. But let us see the consequence of such repentance, which again, the hunger is broken. Why? Because the whole law is connected to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. In the same chapter, and the last few verses, King Manasseh died, and came his son, King Ammon. And hear what it says in verse 22. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord 
as his father Manasseh had done for Amon, sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. He brought them from outside the city into the city once more. And the Lord is asking us tonight, all of us without exception, are you putting sin aside out of your city, out of your inner Jerusalem for a while, and whenever you are frustrated, you bring it in back? This is, again, it shows that the hunger is broken, that I'm not loving it, the Lord, with all my heart, all my strength, and all my soul. So, Amon, for two years, he brought back those idols once more. Sometimes we are coming to church, and after a few years, I give up. Why? I was in the church for 10 years, but I am the same person. I am putting these idols outside for a while, and then I bring them back. I feel I am stagnant in my place. If this is your status today, we are in need. When we sing and we shout, thine is the power, thine is the glory in my life. The whole Bashan week is about the coming Messiah to save me and you, to change and transform my life. I'm not anymore the one who is playing with sin as Manasseh or Amon. Now we'll see Josiah, how he built a great revival, but still there's an issue. If you go to the next chapter, chapter 34, and we read from verse 3. So the father Manasseh was worshipping idols. In the end of his life, he repented half repentance. He put the idols outside. And now Amon brought them back and worshipped them. And now Josiah, who is the great king of Israel. And on the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he was 16 years old at the time, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to bear Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the wooden images, the carved images and the molded images. They broke down the altars of Baals in his presence and the incense altars which were above them, he cut down and the wooden images, the carved images and the molded images he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. And this is my calling and your calling tonight. There is no more games with sin. He scattered them and he ground, grounded them. They are not in his life anymore. Unfortunately, sometimes we are even giving up in confession. I go to confession and I say everything the same as before. Despite there are some lies there, but still, I give up because I feel I'm still playing the same game like Manasseh. Outside the city, then inside the city in the life of Ammon. And now Josiah came and he's telling you and me, it's time to see the real Savior. He came to destroy the enemy. He came to destroy all these idols in my life and in your life. But I came back to Zephaniah yesterday and today, most of the prophets were saying the same. Malachi said the same. Amos said the same. Uzziah said the same. Why are you shouting at us? Because still, the king did something very real. But we are just followers of whatever it is. How? If you imagine the same people who took the idols outside the city at the end of the life of Manasseh, they brought it back in two years in the life of Ammon. And then they put it out again and they destroyed with Josiah. He's asking you and me, 
Why are you playing these games? Why you did not find your own way? A savior came to restore and transform our lives, not to play any more games. So if Zephaniah was telling us, it's time to have a serious life. There is a great revival in the church, or there is a great revival in the synagogue and in the temple because Josiah is here. But what about your own and my personal revival? Still, we feel that our personal revival is something superficial. He came to say no. The most important revival and the real revival starts by personal revivals. Then it will become a family revival, and then it's a church revival. You cannot imagine that the king will make it. The king will declare a revival, but he can't force anyone. That's why when you read Zephaniah, you'll find why the word of God was angry against them because they were playing the game with any king. Whoever comes, we are going to follow him. One more thing. If you imagine the priests of that time. Okay, the congregation can say they are just followers. If you imagine the same priests who took who worship idols in the life of Manasseh for 40, 55 years, at the very end, they took the idols outside the city. In two years' time, they brought it back and worshipped them again. And then they took it out once more and they made them dust and scattered them. And we are all, with the general meaning of priesthood, we were ordained priests in our baptism. And then if you are the man of the family, you have been ordained once more to be the priest of the family. I'm talking about the general priesthood of the church, not the specific one. And then he's asking you and me again, which kind of priest are you? Are you the one who is ready to change anything at any time to any form? Or are you willing to hear the Lord today? He was telling them, it's enough that you have added free will offerings. If you imagine in the time of Jesus, there was 613 commandments, not written in the Bible, made by the Pharisees, made by the scribes, and they were very precise to fulfill each one of them. That's why even when the Lord make a paste and anointed the eye of the man who was born blind in John chapter 9, it's a sin because one of the forbidden things to be done on the Sabbath is to make a paste. So he did it. That's why they were raging a war against him. And now the hanger of the cross, the hanger of all law and the commandments is to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And it's missing from them. That's why when the church is leading us step by step in the Passion Week, it's telling us it's time to find out the core of the law and the commandments. We are not here to listen to a sermon or to sing the annual tunes of whatever song we are singing in the church, but to examine ourselves. That's why the Lord, through the Word of God, was telling St. Paul to warn us all in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourself. It's a time of examination, not only to contemplate in the Word of God, but to see where we stand. If you imagine in tens of thousands going to the temple every Passover, tens of thousands on a daily basis, sacrificing different sacrifices. But at one point, one person, Simeon the elder, felt the presence of Christ. And Hannah the prophetess felt 
the real presence of Christ. And this is what he is looking for in each and every heart of us. He wants to see us singing and attuning our heart and our mind with his presence. Why? Because he is telling me and you, I am rejecting any superficial way of worship. It's not about singing. It's not about tunes. It's not about being in the church. It's about where are your hearts. We say it every liturgy, lift up your heart, and we sing, we have them with the Lord. We have them with the Lord because the core belief, the real hanger of the law and the commandments is in front of my eyes day and night. Again, as I said a few days ago, it's a time of repentance for all of us without exception. It's time of receiving a real transformation. On, on Easter night, we will sing, Christ is risen. And then I'm asking myself, is he risen in my life? Am I living this risen life? Or am I still bringing the idols in the city, out of the city, day and night? And I feel I am bored. Spiritual life is not real. Or if it's real, it's not for me. He's telling us in this Monday of the Pascha, it's time to know that it's about worshiping God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Let us praise the last prayer or the concluding prayer of this night with this heart. I'm not here, Lord, to sing. I'm not here to attend. I'm here to communicate with you, to have a real heart worshiping you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. May the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever.